Welcome to PQ Talk on Call, a podcast dedicated to current and aspiring intensivists. My name is Pradeep Kamal. And my name is Rahul Damania. And we come to you from Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, Emory University School of Medicine. Today's episode is dedicated to optimizing your pediatric critical care knowledge and study skills by utilizing your medical librarian. We are delighted to be joined by Ms. Carrie Price, a health professions librarian. Carrie was formerly at the Welch Medical Library, serving the faculty, students, and staff of Johns Hopkins Medical Institutions. Carrie is currently at the Albert S. Cook Library of Towson University in Towson, Maryland. Carrie is an expert searcher with a strong interest in user-centered and instructional design, evidence-based medicine, and interprofessional education. Carrie also maintains and updates a YouTube channel with videos about citation management, searching, and evidence-based medicine. Carrie is on Twitter at CarriePrice78. Carrie, welcome to Pick Your Doc on Call. Our topic today, the value of the librarian in pediatric ICU education is the first of our series on how learners can organize their study habits while rotating in the PICU. Thanks, Rahul and Pradeep, for having me on PICU Doc on Call podcast. I have no conflicts of interest or financial disclosures. Carrie, tell us your story and how you came to be an expert medical librarian. Well, I came into librarianship as a second career after a first career in nonprofit development. I was really fortunate to start my work at Johns Hopkins University, where I worked as a library assistant in access services while getting my master's degree in library science. During that time, my mom was diagnosed with appendix cancer. It's a rare cancer, and she's okay now. And through the time we spent in the hospital, I noticed that there was a medical library in the building. I had this epiphany that librarians weren't limited by traditional career paths. From then, I started focusing on health and consumer health classes. And then later at a work all staff meeting, I literally bumped into the former director of the Welch Medical Library, and the rest is history. They had an open position. I interviewed, was hired, and I started working at Welch in April of 2012. It was an incredible experience, and I'm really fortunate to work extensively with a number of departments and divisions at Johns Hopkins and now at Towson University. So my experiences have been really multidisciplinary. In the past, I worked as a physical therapy technician, so that's helped inform my clinical practice knowledge, and I really enjoyed that job. I've taken a lot of professional development in the field, and I never stop learning. I love sharing information on Twitter, YouTube, and on my website, which is carryprice78.github.io. Carrie, this is such an amazing story, and I really appreciate you highlighting how your personal experience really translated into your present experiences. Carrie, the practice of critical care medicine really requires that learners in the PICU remain very current on the literature. Given the fact that there are so many resources out there, how should learners learn to drink from that fire hydrant without being blown away? That's an excellent question. So prior to the internet, of course, most additional knowledge was acquired by going to the library in person, browsing the stacks, picking up journals and looking through peer-reviewed journals and textbooks. But now things are digital and even born digital, and there's so much information online and on your phone. So I can understand that given how much information is out there, a learner can feel really overwhelmed and have difficulty trusting the information that they see. That's why critical appraisal is 
a key part of evidence-based practice. Studies have shown the value of readily available information in patient care and highlighted the role of the library and librarian in the support of clinical practice. In 1996, Sackett et al. defined evidence-based medicine as, quote, the conscientious, explicit, and judicious use of current best evidence in making decisions about the care of the individual patient. It's come to be seen as a combination of sound research evidence, clinical expertise, and patient preference. While the ACGME requires PEDS residents to have formal training in EBM, there's really considerable variation in what constitutes EBM training. This is where learners can pull from the expertise of medical librarians like myself, who are experts in searching and evaluating literature. I suggest reaching out to your medical librarian right away. They can help you set up search alerts for topics of interest and journal tables of contents from PubMed and other resources. There's also apps, and there's a couple I'll name here. There's an app called QXMD. That's a free app that can help you be more aware of the current literature in fields that you follow. There's another app called Browsing, and that's a subscription app that you may or may not have access to through your institution, but you can subscribe to journal tables of contents and get alerts and read PDFs through the app. You can also find clinical evidence-based, frequently updated summaries with tools like UpToDate and Dynamed, depending on what you have through your institution. Carrie, thank you so much for highlighting these specific resources. And I think it's also very important to form a critical triad between the medical librarian, the clinician, as well as the patient. Carrie, now that you brought out the concept of evidence-based medicine, what are some of the appropriate venues for teaching evidence-based medicine prospects in the PEDS ICU environment? Well, almost all pediatric critical care medicine fellowships have a fellows conference where learners have protected time for their education. Fellows conferences might have journal clubs, lectures, chapter reviews, or case reports. And fellows conferences could be one of the best venues for teaching EBM, where faculty and learners can interact. I think EBM practices should be a part of the peer-to-peer sign-out after a call or service or morning report. Programs can invite librarians to attend meetings, seek the help of a librarian while preparing for presentations or posters. And I also want to emphasize, with daily patient care rounds in the PICU, most fellows should question practices on rounds, which are handed down from previous trainees and don't always have sound evidence behind the practice. Or maybe there's new research or something has changed in practice or knowledge. So you can reach out to your librarian with these kinds of queries. Librarians can also help with PICO question formulation, searching for and appraising the evidence, and translating evidence into practice. These are all critical aspects of EBM. As trainees, we're always wanting to optimize our clinical skills and really understand key questions, the why, the how, and even the why not behind certain clinical scenarios in critically ill children. I think it's really important to focus on the PICO questions, which stands for isolating the population, the intervention, the comparison, and outcome, as these important queries can help us ascertain key clinical questions which come up in our training. Carrie, how are librarians utilized by the pediatric residency programs? Well, there's this excellent study by Boykin and Jacobson, 2017. And it evaluated this exact question by surveying 91 program directors of pediatric residency programs in the United States. 
And in their study, Boykin and Jacobson reported that 80% of programs utilized medical librarians. Most of these librarians assisted with scholarly or research projects, addressed clinical questions, or taught on any topic, not necessarily EBM. It could have been something like citation management. But only 17% of program directors stated that librarians were involved in teaching EBM on a regular basis. Size of the program mattered when it came to the use of librarians. So smaller programs, 29 or fewer residents, were more likely to utilize librarians than medium or larger sized residency programs. The authors concluded that while most pediatric residency programs have an EBM curriculum and engage medical librarians in various ways, librarians' expertise in teaching EBM is often underutilized. It is important to stress that regardless of the program size, the cost of utilizing librarians was not a barrier. Wow. Kerry, how can librarians help the Pete's ICU fellow and other learners in the PICU with respect to their clinical practice? In the clinical practice area within the PICU, I think librarians need to understand that the Peds ICU fellow and other learners, they are so busy from the get-go, especially in their first year of training. So the Peds ICU and fellows and other learners, such as the advanced practice nurses, they serve the role of team leaders within the PICU, managing residents, medical students, and the clinical care team, and they report to their attending. Some programs are very busy and leave little time to prepare for gathering evidence necessary to make informed clinical decisions. But research has shown that when clinical librarians are involved in providing information in the patient care setting, answers to clinical questions can be obtained more quickly and efficiently, and that's based on McGowan and Oliver. The value study by Marshall and others noted that clinicians who had used their librarian had changed patient care based on the information they received. And this was spread across patient education, diagnosis and differential diagnosis, the choice of medication, and overall, they felt that they had made more informed clinical decisions because they were able to receive timely, high-quality information. So your librarian can efficiently and effectively search for evidence, which can be quickly appraised and put to use by the busy PEDS ICU fellows or others. Librarians can provide information for fellows and faculty during morning report, grand rounds, committees, morbidity and mortality conferences, and more. In fact, one case-controlled study, and that's the Banks from 2007, demonstrated that librarian support was associated with saved resources and reduced costs beyond a health practitioner's time savings. A librarian's presence at morning report correlated positively with shorter length of stay and lower hospital charges in 55 cases with 136 matched comparisons. Carrie, this is such a key point that I want to highlight to our listeners. Leveraging your institution's librarian can actually be a bimodal learning process where the trainee is gaining more confidence as the librarian is delving into the evidence-based approach to answering clinical questions. What we really need to understand here is that librarians can collaborate with the fellows and ultimately this can affect patient outcome. Carrie. I want to transition and talk a little bit about how librarians can help the PEDS ICU fellows and other learners in the PICU with respect to their research and scholarly activities. Sure. At most institutions, librarians and library professionals actually choose the resources and databases that the library buys for you. 
They negotiate prices and ensure that it's all available and accessible online, off campus. And they organize this information on digital portals and guides and websites. They build education and learning modules to facilitate learning. And they collect and analyze usage data to validate the use of the institution's resources. Most PEDS ICU fellows are required to do some scholarly activity like research and or a publication during their fellowship. Besides talking early on with your statistician, PEDS ICU fellows and learners could really benefit from talking to the librarian about their research question prior to the initiation of the research project. Medical librarians are your research partner. A 2015 publication by Rethlifson et al. showed that librarian involvement on systematic reviews in general internal medicine correlated with higher quality reported searches. Additionally, your librarian can update you with new references from your literature searches and over time help you understand your research impact. And like I said, they can help you set up alerts and understand what's out there and how the literature is trending in your areas of interest. The librarian can help you with organizing your references for your project. And if you can't find the full text, the librarian can get it for you or help you request it through Interlibrary Loan, which is a free service to you. So I would say that librarians are invaluable to decreasing the stress of fellows and learners embarking on a research project. Kerry, do you see a role for the healthcare librarian in patient safety and quality initiatives? I sure do. Most institutions will have fellows on a committee or two within the PICU based on their interests, things like the Airway Safety Committee or the Vascular Access Committee. Librarians have an increasing role in providing patient and family-centered information and can help fellows acquire the latest information and evidence, and that may be necessary to update protocol or guidelines commonly used in the PICU. Fellows and learners should approach librarians when faced with the task of updating a protocol, guideline, a standard of care, algorithm, or best practice documents used in the PICU to get the best and latest available evidence. What's your advice to the fellows with respect to online databases and their use to access medical information? Well, I'm a little biased, but I think fellowship programs should definitely invite their librarian to speak to the fellows and the rest of the PICU team to inform the learners of what's available through the institution. Most libraries, especially in the healthcare setting, have a number of resources free and easily accessible with access to content that you wouldn't be able to find otherwise, not even through Google Scholar. The most commonly utilized free resource is PubMed, and that's from the U.S. National Library of Medicine. It's considered one of the premier databases for health and biomedical literature, containing over 32 million records. It doesn't have full-text journal articles, but it has links to full-text through your institution, through PubMed Central, or through the publisher's website. So your institutional library will have its own collection of journals and databases provided to you free of charge. And I guess even Google Scholar can be helpful for finding hard-to-locate articles and interfacing with citation management tools. I should also mention that a good collection of the latest articles in PEDS ICU literature is provided by Dr. Harry Krishnan at pqjournalwatch.com. Carrie. Thank you for all this amazing information. Once we gather all this information, I wanted to ask you, what are some good resources to store articles, citations for future use? There's a lot. So there's a lot of good resources for storing references and staying organized in your research project. And these are collectively called either reference management or citation management programs or software. 
So there's Zotero, there's Mendeley, there's EndNote, and there are actually a lot more. And they all kind of compete with each other, so they're all pretty good. And the ones I just mentioned are either completely free or have free versions. Most reference management software programs have the same functions, importing references, organizing, storing, creating citations, and doing in-text citations and bibliographies in a manuscript. So this can be a huge time saver for the busy Peds ICU fellow. And your librarian can help you get set up and get started with the tool that you select. Now, it doesn't really matter. I say it's just personal preference, what kind of computer you have, and maybe pricing in choosing a reference management tool. And I can't stress enough to save your work, hopefully to the cloud, for ready access anywhere, but also in case there's a malfunction or you lose your device. There's one more great tool, and it's not a reference management program, but I'd really like to mention it today. And it's called ORCID. ORCID is an open researcher and contributor ID. And it's a really great tool for anybody who has published or hopes to publish. It's a free researcher profile system, and it's increasingly being used and even required for grant applications and article submissions. It's a researcher profile system that can help you save all your research products in one place, update your CV, speed up the process of creating a biosketch and applying for grants, and help disambiguate you from other researchers. You can check it out at orchid.org. Okay, to summarize for our listeners, have a reference manager which can quickly capture and organize key articles. As you delve into your research project, utilize this reference manager and the respective integrations to streamline your manuscript process. Kerry, we appreciate your insight on today's podcast. As we wrap up, would you mind highlighting your personal clinical polls? Of course not. I think I would say that the medical librarian is your friend. Set up a meeting with them early on in your fellowship. Make use of this invaluable resource for not only to improve your clinical work, patient outcomes, and decreasing costs, but also for research, systematic and scoping reviews, quality and safety initiatives, and more within the PICU. We can save you time by doing literature searches, getting you the latest and the best evidence, helping you organize your citations, requesting the references that you need that you can't find for that case report or lecture presentation, and even finding Creative Commons medical images for use in posters and presentations. We can be there at the point of need at morning report, journal clubs, department meetings, and we can help faculty with the creation of medical education and EBM modules for learning and instruction. Librarians should be included in development of educational curriculums written into grants, considered as co-authors on an author research team, and included in in-class teaching for PICU fellow conferences. Faculty can and should coordinate with medical librarians for optimal training of the PEDS ICU fellows and other learners. To summarize today's episode, we learned today the immense value which the medical librarians bring to the learning environment of the pediatric ICU. Medical librarian Carrie Price would like to see more involvement of medical librarians in the development and maintenance of PICU learning curriculum. A collaborative approach between librarians, faculty, fellows, and other allied health personnel may be a win-win for all, including the patients and their families. This concludes our episode today on the value of the medical librarian in PEDS ICU education. We hope you found value in this short podcast. 
We welcome you to share your feedback and place a review on our podcast. PQ Doc on Call is hosted by me, Pradeep Kumar, and my co-host, Dr. Rahul Dimania. Please visit our website at pqdoconcall.org. Stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you. Thank you.